Welcome to Hello from Bhutan. I'm Namgyesam. I have a new series focusing on everything queer in Bhutan. The first three episodes were originally filmed for Queer Talks Bhutan. This is the third episode featuring one of the founders of Queer Voices of Bhutan, Pemandoji. Queer Voices of Bhutan are the producers of Queer Talks Bhutan. And welcome to Queer Talks Bhutan. I'm your host Namge Zav. Today in conversation with me is Pema Doji, who is a very staunch LGBTIQ activist. He belongs to the community himself. I've known him for a very long time. And I'm so happy to be in conversation with you today, Pema, so that people know who you are, your life story, and what is so important to you. Pema, tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, before you begin, um, in, um, you use the word activist, so mm. I feel that um, I prefer the word advocate because um, what I personally feel is like um, I feel like I'm an advocate for the LGBTIQ community in our country, so I would rather like to be known as an advocate. Well, why not an activist? Than an activist because, um, especially in my opinion, I mean, um, the work that basically I'm doing is like basically advocating on the LGBTI issues of our existence mm. and actually letting people know that what is LGBTI to begin with so mm. so most of our work is an ad, um, it's on um, creating awareness so I believe I'm an advocate maybe down the line I mean when there is the time for talk about our um, rights talk mm. about um, visibility and all that, maybe I'd, I'd take so up the activism So you say that I'm more vocal than you when it comes to rights. <laughs> <laughs> always, always asking. No, tell us, Pema, about your journey, then, your personal journey. Um, I was born during 90, around 1992, so I'm basically, um, when I grew up, I was um, maybe, in, in my teens, I was in the early 2000s, so it was a completely different time during that time. I mean, um, I do realize, I mean, and, and I've heard so many people talking from our community, talking about being bullied in school setting, and I'm also one of them. I mean, like, uh, and I do clearly remember um, from the moment I s step into the um, education inst um, educational institution, um, I specifically re um, um, remember and, uh, that um, most of the people around me made me feel that maybe I'm not part of their pact. Mm. Maybe I'm an outsider or someone that they cannot understand, I mean. Because whenever I see, I used to see my other friends, they were like having time of their life, playing, learning, interacting. I have never seen them, I've, I've never seen most of them getting teased and all that. And here I was, I mean like, I was even um, in so much fear and anxiety to even use um, the washroom. So I couldn't go there. I mean, um, I specifically remember, I think they used to lock me up mm. and they used to chase me away, especially the boys. I mean, I can't go to the boys' washroom, washroom saying that they used to say that it's not your washroom. Why don't you go to the girls? And just imagine, I mean, how can I go to the girls' washroom? So I, the fondest, mem the mem not fondest, the memory that, um, that sticked with me was like, I always try to um, avoid going to washroom. I used to hold in my pee uh, as much as I could. Mm -hmm. And um, during that time, I think we were allowed to go back home during the lunchtime. So I always used to use um, the restroom to, um, at my um, 
my at my own home, mm. and I still have that habit. I mean, as of now, I mean, like I avoid using public washrooms because of the trauma, right? From the yeah, I think so so maybe because of that. For you to forget all of that. What's your equation with your family, though? Um, it's quite very interesting. I mean, <laughs> to tell you, I mean, it's not that I'm like really open with them, saying that <laughs> I'm like <clears throat> in my full. Um, on a full version with um, whoever I am, I mean, like, um, what I believe is, like, um, I'm technically in out with, um, they know that I have been in a relationship with a guy for past six years. Mm -hmm. They acknowledge it, they acknowledge him, but we don't talk very openly about it. But they acknowledge me in service to, I think, like, I believe that it's something that we should begin with, I mean, like, we shouldn't, uh, we need a ground, any groundwork to go with, but... This is better than denial, mm, right? Yeah, I mean, outright denial, at least they are acknowledging it, so... Right. So sometimes my mom casually asks uh, about my boyfriend, saying that she technically doesn't say that you're boyfriend, but she's saying, where is your guy? Where's your up? <laughs> Not even up. <laughs> Not even up. Where is your guy? So basically, like, she I see. She, she always makes sure that she, um, she asks about him when I'm mm. with her, so... Mm -hmm. And that is a sense of acknowledgement. Even my dad does it. And of course, my sibling, I mean, like, I have been, have been an open book with them for... Um, from a very long time, so they know about him, so... Mm -hmm. Him being in my life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, like, equation is okay. I mean, I'm not... It, it, it could improve, right. but at least... Something is there to work with. Right now. I'm, I'm happy to hear that, Bema. I want to focus on um, your journey because it wasn't easy, right? And it really, I mean, it's impacted you. It impacts you even today. Um, you have, you continue. I've known you for several years now and then to see where you were and then to see where you are now with the confidence that you found. It didn't come easy. You had to really work on yourself, right? I want to talk about your relationship with mental health now because you've had to deal with anxiety for a very long time as well as the trauma of all of the bullying and harassment, right? Um, I would, um, uh, I think like, um, just imagine like when, uh, um, especially I think you spend your majority of your early life in this education setting where you are constantly reminded that um, you don't fit with us, they call you with different name, they bully you, and in some cases, I mean, like, um, even the teachers, I have experience of teachers joining, chiming in, and, like, um, um, and making fun of me, I mean, so um, it does have, a, I think, like, any after, after effects on me, so um, it does, it did have an after effect on my life as well, I mean, like, um, I do get um, severe, and uh, I have severe, not severe, but I do have an anxiety disorder. I mean, I, and the one that I have is like social anxiety. And um, people say that it's just mental health. I mean, it's just you being a weak person or caught person, you can get over it. But imagine, I mean, a simple thing that everyone around me takes for granted. Example is like going to town, hanging out with friends, doing their chores, going buying um, stuffs and all that. And and other things such as driving, um, I cannot do that. I mean, um, the moment I step into um, public spaces, I go, uh, <laughs> I go full into my fancy mode, mm -hmm. where I actually don't know what I'm thinking, what I'm doing. And a uh, classic example would be like one time I was in the middle of the town and the next moment when I realized I was right in front of a vehicle about to get hit by a vehicle. So I do get that kind of um, anxiety mm -hmm. where I completely black out and I, um, act, um, I act out of... And, and, and I, I don't know what I'm doing that time because 
um, there's like almost a thousand or maybe like more than thousand thoughts that are processing inside my head. And imagine if you're driving, I mean, you need confidence when you drive, I mean. You have to be alert, right? And imagine the moment you enter in into a vehicle, you, mm. there's, there's like thousand things that um, comes into your mind that might go wrong. You might end up hitting someone. That's you might end anxiety up, again. <laughs> you might end about up, all of these things. <laughs> you might end up killing someone. You might, your vehicle, when you are driving a vehicle, your vehicle might fall in the ditch mm. or something like that. So. Because overthinking, of, right? You yeah, overthink a lot. Yeah, because of that, I can't. I, I, um, I really cannot drive. I mean, mm. I, it would be not safe for me and other pedestrians on the road as well if I drive. So, mm. so these are the things that people take for granted. But because of con being constantly bullied, taunted, I think um, I have to carry this baggage with the rest of my life. I mean, like, it's not go it's not going anywhere. It's going to stay with me. I mean, like, and I always say that it has somehow scarred my personality. I mean, somehow. Uh, I'm not this person that um, I did used to enjoy socializing, but now I don't. Actually, I don't. I mean, like, I would rather stay away from those spaces where I have to socialize. So, yeah. But then it's helped you deal, right? Like, you feel better and at peace what, having made these adjustments. Um, yeah, I think somehow, I mean, like, not exactly, but somehow, um, technically, um, if I speak, um, it has helped me um, ignore the problem. I'm basically I'm running away from it. I'm not putting into my I'm not putting myself into uncomfortable situation where it will act as a trigger for me. Mm -hmm. So on top of that, um, it has it has given me a new perspective. I mean, like uh, <laughs> um, it has um, given me so much time to explore so many things. I mean, uh, I used to. Um, things such as like um, you are already aware that I do enjoy making videos mm -hmm. I'm not a professional one but I but you're I, very good at it <laughs> I have learned it from YouTube so it's given me that and um, it and I don't now I don't mind being alone now I mean mm -hmm. and people clear and, and there's this quote I always follow I always believe in that that you are you might be alone but you're not lonely that that's where I am right now. Mm, that's that's good to hear, and I think it's quite a healthy place that you're at. And this is why mental health is so important for you, and you want to work in this area, right? Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Um, it is very, very, very important. Um, I consider mental health to be um, a pillar of uh, a person's um, journey. Because I think if you're not mentally well, I mean, like, you cannot do anything. I mean, I personally experienced because I had um, suffered from depression for almost a year. After that, I am still going through anxiety. I mean, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but I'm going through it. So it, it becomes a appeal. Um, it's very important in someone's life. I mean, but the only thing is like it's not given the importance that the due credit that it's needed. I mean, mm. be it terms of the national response towards mental health be it towards our Buddhist society's attitude towards mental health. Mm. It has been very, I mean, like, it is a very misunderstood, I think, um, so, uh, mis misunderstood, mm. where people say that, like, um, when you try to reach out to them, they say that it's just a face, it'll go away, mm. you're just feeling low because of this and that. Mm. When you get anxiety and all that, people label you as being very difficult to <laughs> be, uh, get along or right. be around. Now, people don't understand mental illness well. 
I think there's a lot of ignorance. I mean, there's, I mean, forget mental health of the LGBTIQ community, even mental health of like in hetero general. people like myself in general. I mean, it isn't as prioritized, right? I mean, with COVID-19 and thanks to His Majesty's intervention, yes, we have like the National Mental Health Response Team, you know, mm. and everybody's talking about mental health. We're talking about mental health of this soaps, frontliners, doctors, mm. people, right? Yes, so there's like a lot of light on it, thanks to His Majesty. <laughs> yes, but we need people to talk about, do you think that we have enough expertise in the country for people to adequately support the LGBTIQ community when it comes to mental health? Um, I think like um, we have to segregate because they are having, um, especially in our community, people go through mental health problems because of the trauma that they experience in uh, when they're growing up or just because of their identity or sexual orientation i mean but it's necessary doesn't mean that um the trauma or the um, trauma they experience is completely different from the trauma the normal people goes through because at the end of the day um whatever the mental health illness they suffer from is quite same because as we are talking about anxiety i've seen most of my friends suffering from social anxiety and i think i've seen my friend resorting to alcohol to cope up with social anxiety it might be different and varies from person to person, but at the end of the day, the core is like the illness is quite, uh, the illness is, um, the mental health illness itself is very similar. So, and um, what I feel is like, um, it is, I've seen it getting better. So, I myself is a recipient of <laughs> the services, so mm. I've seen it getting better, but it, I see it getting better. Like I, like I was mm. telling you, like how you used but, to be, even like two years ago, and who you are today. But it needs improvement. I mean, like there's room for improvement well, as well. It's a work in progress. I mean, yeah, it's a work in progress. So, um, but the only thing is, that we as an, um, uh, we as a human being, I think we also need to have tendencies to go out and seek help. Mm. If you don't go out and seek help, eventually, I don't think nobody will be able to help you at all. I mean, like, you have to have that tendency, and. Um, there's this um, beautiful quote by my favorite character, Blanca, from The Force, where she says to um, Electra Singh that you can hate yourself for so many things, but yeah. needing help is not one. So Yeah, I know. I love that part. And I think it was such an important, for those of you who watched Pose, like we're both such big fans of Pose. But I think it was such a, it was so powerful, especially in the circumstances mm -hmm. that it was said. I think it was really, especially for Electra, who's such a powerful, dominating woman, right? Mm -hmm. yes. And for her in that situation of vulnerability, I think that's such an important message, Pema, like to everybody watching, whether you mm -hmm. belong to the community mm -hmm. or not. There's nothing wrong with seeking mm -hmm. help, right? Like um, if you go out and seek help, that doesn't make you weak, I mean. People have perception that like when they go out and they make them, themselves vulnerable, I think like people might take themselves to be weak. You're not weak, I mean, like, you're the most strongest and courageous person who have this, um, who are courageous enough to go out and say that like I'm in need, I need some help, mm. I need someone to talk to. That doesn't make you weak, I mean, mm. in my eyes. That makes you mm. somebody who takes care of yourself. Yes. Which is very important, right? And that's what you've done so far, and I applaud you for that, Bema. I'm proud of you. I think I've come. called you several times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it's become less frequent now because I think mm. that you're being able to cope better, and it makes me happy to know that as a friend mm. and somebody who's known you for so long. Um, I want to talk about you and your partner and the work that you do because you all do a lot of work behind the scenes and a lot of people don't realize mm -hmm. it and you all have been doing it for a number of years i may mm -hmm. have been very loud on my social media especially with regard to um repealing sections 213 mm -hmm. and 214 but you guys did a lot of the legwork also behind the scenes so you were saying you do advocacy that's what i was saying no but you also do a bit of activism because mm -hmm. you all are 
like there you know when the community needs and even if the community doesn't ask of you the two of you put yourself in positions where you'll become the voices and the faces of the lgbtiq community in bhutan um yeah i think um both me and tashi believe that we are the behind the scene person i mean um um I don't know about Tashi, but um, I technically don't enjoy attention that much. So, yeah, I, so I, I would rather Only if say, you don't have a choice, you, you end up there. I would rather like uh, see someone capable in front, taking mm. up, be the face of the community. And me behind, I mean, like um, um, trying to um, take that person to that level where like um, he or she can um, uh, maximize, I mean, like her ability to bring visibility towards the community. So. We are enabler in a good sense. Mm -hmm, right. So um, we have done um, uh, most of I think like our work is like most of our work is like behind the scenes. I mean like, and um, yeah, like you mentioned that that was a very important thing. I mean, um, the repeal of Section Two Thirteen Fourteen um, came out of nowhere to begin with. I mean like it was not our effort. I mean we did a small small groundwork where we actually went to the current ministers and the person who sits and um, the. Uh, as a member of parliament, we did some few, few, I think, um, small, small advocacy session, informally, of course, I mean. Mm. And um, luckily, I mean, like, um, the present government, uh, most of um, um, the member has um, the experience of working with the community in the past under the HIV program. So we were very lucky during that time um, uh, because of Limpo Namu I think like the section, um, section 2, 13, 14 came into um, discussion, the, uh, discussion and yeah. um, received uh, the attention that it needed to. Mm. So it was because of him and it came out of nowhere. But um, after that, I think like we make sure, along with you, I mean, <laughs> you were obviously there, so we tried to um, get access to a few of the MPs. We started, start, we, we started to um, create visibility. I mean, like, we actually went to the National Assembly as a community. And um, of course, we vocally, we didn't say anything, but we made sure that we are visually, we are present there for the discussion. So yeah, I think like um, we have done that. And um, hopefully, I think the session is going for in the winter session. So right. hopefully. It will, it Hoping will pass. It, I mean, we still know that the National Assembly is for repealing the clauses 213 and 214, and it's the National Council that feels that you need to be a little more specific yes, about what you want removed and what you want kept in. So we're hoping that the discussions are, number one, dignified, number two, informed, yes. <laughs> and number three, non-discriminatory. Otherwise, I would be writing and making a lot of noise about it again. But that was a wonderful moment, right, Bema? Like when they were waiting to vote in the National Assembly, and yes and no, and he was so scared, he had his eyes closed because he wasn't sure how many people were going to vote um, yes and how many I, people were going to know. I actually no. got goosebumps during yeah. that time because it was, it was like almost like five years in making. I mean, right. for me, I think Section 213-14 was something that, says, um, that was like, I don't know about other, but I literally feel that that session doesn't deserve to be in our um, um, penal, penal code because that violates a certain um, um, the rights of a certain group of uh, minority uh, um, minority in it, community. So, mm. I was and it also doesn't reflect who we are as a society, mm. right, Rama? Because we, we are very progressive. I mean, we like, don't that. criminalize people for their choices, and then there's like a rule like that that criminalizes people, right? I mean, actually, it, um, because of the whole section 2014 it's bringing a very bad name to the country itself right, i mean like right. where we are known as a country of gross national happiness i mean yeah. like, and the moment you um, research about lgbt um, thing in 
on Google, I think the first thing it comes is that like, um, because of Section 2014, homosexuality is illegal in yeah. the country. You know, and even when you go to international forums, you always have to tell them, mm. no, things are not that bad in Bhutan, right? <laughs> and then they're like, but you have this law, right? No, actually, I mean, like, Bhutan being a very small country, I mean, like, our context is always, often always mixed with what is happening in India, basically, mm. in Bangladesh or in Nepal. Right, so right. so um, what we have is, like, our country is... I'll, I'll say it, um, it's very much tolerant right. in terms of like um, um, towards the community. I'll not mm. say they're accepting. I mean, like, I mean, of course, you are you are a case where people haven't been very tolerant or accepting, mm. right, to have this. But I also want to talk about, although you identify as non-binary, right, and then um, you're queer, but you are extremely supportive of trans women and the trans community. Why? I think like um, I do have a very personal reason for that. I mean. Um, <laughs> when I was in school, um, I used to be very ashamed of my femininity. Um, I was a very feminine person, feminine boy. I mean, like during that time, I used to get teased for that, for being feminine. So I used to get really ashamed of my femininity. So um, as gradually I started to become comfortable with my feminine side, I mean, and um, I don't mind to flaunt it on social media sometime, I mean. So I do feel the connection with the trans women community as well because they, are, um, they also has been a subject to um, so much um, stigma and discrimination because of their identity, because of them being feminine. I mean, like, um, and especially not trans, but uh, transgender in the sense I'm more close to the trans women community. I mean, um, and I, what I feel is like um, we have that connection. I mean, like, where like um, where we uh, we are often misunderstood. I mean, like where people expect us to behave. Present ourselves and express ourselves in a certain way. I mean, like, and we go against that. I mean, that so-called um, expectation. Expectation. I mean, stereotype. Yeah, stereotyping. So mm. I might um, we end up um, facing lots of stigma um, discrimination in terms of name calling and all that. So I do have that connection with them. So I do feel more close to the uh, trans women community because I could actually relate to them what right. they are going through. I mean, and what they are still going through. Right, right. So what's the way forward then, Bema? What is it that you want to keep doing? I have so much in plan. We are planning so much. But um, as of now, I mean, the, the immediate um, next way forward would be like um, making something out of the Koi Voices Bhutan. <laughs> you are. I mean, it already is something, Bema. So we are going to, um, <laughs> as a platform, Koi Voices of Bhutan, as a platform, because the, the, um, in order to um, bring out our issues, in order to bring out um, um, all our, I think, like, um, in order to create visibility, I mean, the, the platform's main theme is to create visibility. We have to go out and make ourselves visible. And for that, we need so many platforms, I mean, like, and we have already started working um, on our social media platform. So it's it's going. So we are also planning to create so many other plat platforms mm. for where the Koi people in Bhutan, the, or the LGBT community in Bhutan will have they see, have their voice heard, and um, hopefully, I mean, like, um, it will reach to the right person, right authority, and like, the right um, measures will be taken for them as well. So we have so many plans, but I'll not diverge into it right now because it's still at the planning phase. So hopefully, I mean, like, hopefully, I think like the ultimate aim of Koi versus Bhutan is to create visibility, and we believe um, visibility, with visibility. I think like um, will end. I think like um, stick, uh, especially stigma towards the community. Will end stereotyping um, of the community. Um, will end the misinformation towards the community. So we have to 
um, start from scratch. And I think like hopefully the core voices of Bhutan will be able to do that. And I wish you all the best with that, Bema. And um, before we end, we have uh, something for you. I mean, okay. <laughs> it's quite an, uh, um, it is an, maybe a surprise. I mean, like mm -hmm. um, because um, um, before I say uh, before we end this episode, I just want to say that um, whatever the movement of the LGBT community movement in, in our country is because of the support from our allies. I mean. If we didn't receive any support from the allies, the movement would not be what it is right now. So because of their support, and we do need allies. I mean, like when somebody just asked me this this morning that where does the cisgender people fit in, in all the LGBT community mm -hmm. and all that? So cisgender hetero, hetero people You're fit right. in, but they do fit in in our journey in in our movement as an ally. I mean, like they, they are the ones who is prop propelling this movement forward with their support, with their kindness. And um, of course, with their I mean, love towards the community, <laughs> and she's also one of our strongest and the most visible and the most vocal ally that we <laughs> ever had. And we do need more Namgizams in our countries, especially to for Mike for the community, who will take our voices to the bases. So we do feel that allies are the most important um, um, aspect in our journey to achieve the. Um, aim of creating visibility la, and mm. acceptance. So we are Thank very you. happy to have you here. <laughs> no, but it's not because I do it because I'm an ally. I do it because you guys are my friends. You guys mm. are as important as I am mm. to society. And I think is that that is the main reason why. Like, I don't like it when you guys are hurting, right? I mean, I don't like it when people are hurting. And for me, it isn't, it's non-discriminatory. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, he's an LGBTIQ mm. person, so I must help him. No, you're a human being at the end of the day. And if you're hurt, and if you're traumatized by society, it doesn't sit well with me. And I will always speak up. So you know that you have me. As long as you guys are being discriminated against, there are allies like allies like me who will care and who will speak up for you guys. Uh, in small or bigger ways, but still, I think that that your contribution does matter. So, mm -hmm. and um, that's I think like we will, on behalf of Koi Voices of Bhutan, we would like to present you. <laughs> it's my you, turn to get a gift. <laughs> we like to present you with something. Thank you. And uh, this is a very unique item. I mean. Okay. Um, so the moment we saw these items, we um, we wanted you to can have I, it. Can I see it though? Can I, can I show it? it? Can I? Where is that? Oh, let me see. Oh, you have a cup. There's several things, but is this the unique item? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show it. Oh, this is so nice. I have a customized t-shirt from Queer Voices of Bhutan. I'm going to take a picture in this. Thank you so much, Pema. Thank you for having me host this and be a part of Queer Voices of Bhutan. It's so special to me. Thank you so much. Also, thank you so much for being part of Queer Talks Bhutan. <laughs>